Welcome to the He Shoots, He Draws podcast, the show about photography and design, with your host, Dave Clayton. Hi, welcome back to He Shoots, He Draws, and today we've got another amazing guest, and sometimes you just sit and think, I wonder if this guy would appear on the podcast, and then you look at what he's doing, and they're so busy, you think, no, I'm never going to get him. But then we're now in a time where nobody's going anywhere. So I've now started firing out emails to people saying, would you like to be on the podcast? Today's guest is Douglas Saunders. Hello, Douglas. Hello, gentlemen. <laughs> and I'm joined by... Thank you, my love. <laughs> and I'm joined by <laughs> Alan Hess again. So just to give like my mine and Alan's introduction to Douglas, I when I first joined Kelby One... There was this awesome class on there about advertising photography. And being a designer, I love anything advertising, marketing. And Douglas did this really cool class with cars. And it was just, that was like my first introduction. And then I got to go to Photoshop World Washington and got to meet him there and see him walking around. We kind of had, you know, a couple of chats here and there. But I wasn't teaching by then. I was only connected to them. So, I mean, just going back to that, that time, Douglas, I mean you where were you in 2013 what was your world like back then because I I know you've done a lot since which is what we're going to talk about yeah um man I thank you there's a little there for everybody listening I guess there's a little uh pre uh humor pre-recording humor so from the rest of this recording I'll be referring to Dave as Sir Dave um (laughs) and uh Alan as my love um but oh man so i guess the best well look, tell tell everyone who you who sure. you are you today sure. and then we'll rewind to sure. what I, I walk i walk into a pub i buy you a beer uh, what's your name douglas so what do you do for a living so uh i am a producer i'm a futurist uh and a creative i think <clears> that's the best uh, that is the linkedin profile description uh the rather of what i do that's i guess a longer story because i've diversified from being a commercial photographer that did pretty well in that space at that time to diversifying to several industries um which i'm happy to share about um and maybe potentially arm folks with you know the mindset of how you do survive during a pandemic as a creative uh absolutely yeah if you don't mind i can tell you how i started and would have led to yeah, like, go for it. The, sure. The, the platform is yours, my friend. Okay. My love. Thank you, uh, Sir Dave. Uh, so I'm 39, uh, and I went to school at RIT with an advertising photography degree. I originally was going to be an automotive designer. I was sure of it. I worked on in restoration shops in high school and, and old cars and stuff, and always always loved cars, but uh i was a shy kid i came from kind of a rough upbringing um and it made me pretty uh i don't know really shy and awkward and strange um as i guess all of us all of us creatives are in a way um and when i picked up a camera in high school i it gave me confidence gave me uh, confidence to talk to girls in my class, you know, to like, uh, <laughs> like walk a little taller. I enjoyed working in the dark room. And so I went to RIT and, uh, passed all the boring stuff. Uh, things were bad at home with family. Uh, and I didn't want to go home and 
move into you know my my dad's house uh and be stuck there because i was a broke photographer you know just out of school so i was like i gotta get a business plan i gotta get to work i gotta start making money so everybody's partying in school and i was panicked and just went to the newsstand every every day and i'd look at i'd just buy a bunch of magazines or i'd pull magazines i liked and i'd go through their masthead uh which is like for those that forget what print is like, that's when you go like the <laughs> fourth page in on a magazine, you can actually see the editor in chief and the credits for who does what roles. And so I yeah, would yeah. cold call them back in the day when that was like insane. And if there was no email or phone number, I'd call the magazine's advertising department and say, oh, I was sent to the wrong person. Could you connect me with the photo editor? Um, and they connect me to the photo editor. Right? The photo editor would be like, who the hell are you? Like random person calling me and I go, Oh, I'll email you my, my thing. And actually I got a couple magazines to bite. Uh, and long story short, they were like, yeah, sure. Kid, your stuff's okay. I had a nice portfolio time. Maybe we'll hire you sometime. You're, you're, you seem nice enough and go getter. Um, and I've always been a go getter. And so I started cold calling hundreds and hundreds of agents for bands. Cause that's all I knew about was music. And I got, a top 40 rock band to be in one of the magazines. Uh, I ended up having a crazy adventure. They were the number one rock band at the time, Three Doors Down. And um, they liked me. And then I convinced them to hire me to be their tour photographer back in the day when that was like, you know, an exciting, rare thing uh, before Instagram and all that. And uh, I sold my 66 Mustang, which I loved, and bought one of the first digital cameras in the market that, like, Canon D30, 3.3 megapixel, and went on tour, and I created one of Universal Records' first daily updated band sites for a band. Uh, would update, and then they had really slow DSL on the on the on the bus, and then from there, uh, they took me everywhere with them: Leno, Letterman, Howard Stern, um, crazy parties, adventures, and they did an iTunes, one of the early iTunes special when iTunes was new. I met the iTunes people, and I worked my way into iTunes to be one of their first uh, main contracting photographers, and so they would send me on shoots. Um, so I was there. I got to see Steve Jobs in the lunchroom uh, shooting for Apple, and then I started transitioning to, like, Billboard and Editorial and Billboard Magazine and Editorial like for, like, Rolling Stone and other, like, random music publications and doing environmental portraits was really my thing, even though I would really be good at embedding the subjects and kind of doing PJ, photojournalist stuff. But I loved on-location lighting and portraiture, and that was my, my thing. And um, kind of worked my way up uh, more to transition to advertising stuff. Uh, you know, started doing features for, for Time Magazine, uh, covers for Popular Science, and a bunch of other stuff. Did, like, a lot, a lot, a lot of magazine covers. I loved composite work, and uh, and I loved – and I would shout a lot of – a lot of the stuff people know of me is, like, my personal work. I – constantly shot personal work so like my movie car series uh a lot of the best things that happened in my career to be honest other than being assertive came from just doing like this wacky personal series uh the best stuff on my my website which isn't updated very much these days it's 90 percent personal work um and that's what i'd get hired to do and then about 15 years ago started a video production company because youtube was like a thing and my clients were like yeah you can shoot video on the back end of a photo shoot and I'm like, yeah. And so my childhood best friend and I, he brought his dad's video camera and we had like random industrial clients that needed just B-roll, random footage of like factories and stuff. And they'd pay us good money, you know, at the time. And it wasn't that hard. 
and uh, and then we started building to doing bigger stuff. And now, you know, jump to now, uh, I my video stuff took more time, and I still shoot photo, but usually it's a photo in the back end of a video shoot. Uh, in passing, uh, we're on retainer with like Amazon, uh, Netflix, uh, Net uh, Nat Geo is a big client of ours, um, and. Uh, and and then oh my god sorry this is long intro i'm almost done um <laughs> it's fine because i'm going to talk about all these things sure. individually but i'm glad i'm glad you're doing the, the chronological thing because it really helps um so about five years ago we were in england uh for goodwood festival speed doing an ad campaign for nissan and nissan had one of the first oculus rift vr headset dev kit experiences and it was a rudimentary experience but as we all know like first time you do vr even if it's spherical video it's fucking crazy like mind-blowing it was insane and the stuff they're doing at the time was fairly rudimentary and we we're like we can do better than this um we're talking about spherical video like 360 video not like game engine yeah. like 3d rendered stuff so my best friend my business partner and i nick and i uh just essentially spent all the money we had and sort of like prototyped out some like junky gopro based camera systems and early stitching software which were super beta super rough back then and ended up putting together like a reel and then I sold it to over dinner, casual dinner, the vice president of National Geographic. She hired us to do their first ever VR documentary. And so we went to Yellowstone, snuck into her to Buffalo, almost got gored and all this other wacky stuff um, and shot their first ever VR film, which led to the development of their VR platform. And from there, my friends at AOL saw what we did with Nat Geo and they brought us in to create, put us on contract for a year and did 50, VR films uh, for editorial doesn't exist anymore, but at the time they paid us well and it allowed us to kind of like expand in the immersive space while also congruently doing a bunch of TV and digital ads, which is our normal bread and butter, like normal branded content, you know, random Honda ads you'll see on car and driver, road and track, integrated integrated content. But um, we saw immersive as a future. And so uh, about you know, a couple of years ago, we started an augmented reality software company, even though AR and VR sound the same there. And in the immersive space, they're sort of different. And we saw AR as a future application, which places holograms in the real world um, and partnered with a few friends, uh, including um, in the medical space. We actually have our own surgical center in Orlando and we're developing intellectual property um, in the immersive space. So and then I taught myself unity and took some online classes and basic c-sharp coding and allowed me to be able to um understand what it's like when you're hiring developers and know when they're bsing you and who you know with real talent and still had to learn you know school hard knocks early early days because it's such a new new thing and then our big baby was i cold sold at a press event to the director of jeep brands uh an augmented reality car configuration platform so we spent a year on Chrysler's largest ever digital campaign in the history of the company, creating an augmented reality car configuration software for their new Wrangler. And the Wrangler debuted, whatever, a year and a half ago. And we debuted at CES, and we won two Smarty Awards, which is the Mobile Marketing Association, for the silver for best mobile app of the year in the world for 2019, and then third place somehow in Immersive. So second best in the world, but third and immersive. But it was a really great, <laughs> compelling content. Um, 
So from that, it's opened the door to doing a lot of like AR campaigns. We've been involved in like the debut of the new Toyota Supra. We've done AR stuff for Amazon um, and a bunch of other random things, including separately developing IP in the medical industrial space. So immersive is like a big thing for us. And I have some other companies that I'm financially involved in that that's a whole different thing. Um, uh, but, but yeah, essentially we're creating, uh, all sorts of really cool content, uh, mainly for advertising, um, and, and immersive, you know, and we create a separate company for that XX, uh, because it's its own IP and didn't want to be like a production company. That's like, it's like, you know, where you see those people where they're like, I'm a graphic designer and I'm a photographer and I am a baker and I'm this, and I understand that's great to know all those things, but you look like a, you know, it, it looks like amateur hour when you're like, I do everything, uh, baby, fo- yep. you know, like whatever, and not disparaging anybody, but we didn't want to be like, we do everything. You know, you look like a joke. So, um, especially like you're talking, you deal with ad agencies. So we created two right. separate companies and they often work hand in hand together, um, but it works out. So that's, and I could talk to you about spiritual change and life philosophy change and leaving photography we're, behind, but, we're gonna, but yeah, but that's we're gonna that's co- it. we are gonna come on to that. We're <laughs> Sorry, because because I know, no, I I know in the notes I'd written down <laughs> Douglas Saunders, laziest person in the industry. <laughs> I mean, mate, listen, it, it is so it is so like encouraging and refreshing to hear to hear professionals embrace technology the way you've done and to keep pushing and looking for different avenues to to take what you've learned into something else i mean like like going i mean literally going back to when you uh junior education you got um advertising photography degree which i i thought was really cool because most people like just do photography or they do some kind of random bland thing but that was obviously a focus for you, which looking at your body of work, not, I mean, I don't know you enough to say that's the <laughs> thing that's made all, it hap- made all it happen. But when I see what you got a degree in and then look at your body of work, none of it surprises me. <laughs> <laughs> so were you like, I mean, were you like this in the beginning? Did you think you'd, you had that, did you know you had that drive in you to go, look, I'm just going to keep my foot on the pedal here. <laughs> And, uh, and uh, you know, I'm going to take every corner, every bump, and I'm just going to keep trying to go. You know, like you're wearing a hat, go fast, don't die. <laughs> uh, you're, you're an adrenaline person, uh, definitely. I think that's a good question, Sir Dave. And I would say everybody's always told me that I've been a go-getter and a door opener and relentless. I would say, and I, I, I don't want... Huh. It makes me feel weird to like say those things about myself, but I know they're true. Um, but yeah, I, I would always, I think it's made me a good producer in the production world because if I decide I want to learn something or, or master something, I just do it. And maybe it's because I don't have kids. Uh, all my friends that are have kids, they're superheroes to me. Um, but yeah, I, I whenever I've seen sort of like that whole thing where I cold called a bunch of magazines uh, back in the day looking at masthead and then, you know, calling the advertising department and all that. I just, I was just, it was like desperate survival at that point. And then it transitioned to uh, just refusing to accept defeat and just deciding, you know, if I, you know, if you, if you can learn a skill, 
I was bad at baseball as a kid, and I would just cry. I was really bad at Little League. I was right. awful. But you know what Malcolm Gladwell says? You invest 10,000 hours into something, you can master anything. Right. So, you know, you just put enough energy in. Well, there, there's, a lot of, there's, a, there's a lot of photographers out there. There's a lot of people out there in every field who make up a website or they put a portfolio together and then they sit back and they're like, all right, wait for the phone to ring. Someone's going to you know, hire me to do something. And then they don't understand why they don't have any work. Right. They don't, you know, the whole cold calling or sending out your book or sending out emails or literally going after the work is so important that so many people kind of skip that step. They look yeah. at people who are successful and like, oh, yeah, well, he was just handed that. And it's like, well, yes, he was handed that after 10,000 phone calls or, you know, a million <laughs> emails. And, you know, those nights where you sit up and, and, and basically panic because you're like, oh, my God, am I going to be able to make rent this month? You know, what am I going to have to take? So... I think it's really important people understand that it's not just like, all right, I'm good. I, I did what I did, and now you know now I can just wait for the work to come in. You're absolutely right. Yeah, I, you're absolutely right. And I hate when people say, "Oh, you're so lucky." No, <laughs> like, no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah. no. That that's as bad as you've got a nice camera. But when yeah, when people say you're so lucky, and uh, and like you say, you've worked so hard to for those stepping stones that from a mental point of view, you have to be strong. Because they're not all going to be yeses, they're going to be noes. But you know, like you say, you you're driven, you're dedicated, and I think that's that part of your personality. If you're not going to say all these things about you, I will. <laughs> um, but the fact that you've got that drive and dedication that that you are aware of, I I just think it's so encouraging to see somebody do so well, completely based on the back of bloody hard work. Uh, and and stick you know inconsistency well, as well the truth is i don't know how it is for you guys but i joke with my friends saying my exciting rock and roll lifestyle and well not now but when i was younger uh has now become 85 percent doing powerpoint presentations and pitches <laughs> and proposals literally 85 percent of if not more of my life is that uh which is fine you get used to it but that's it. <laughs> business dev, as you guys are absolutely right. I mean, business dev, business strategy, keeps the lights on, funds the personal projects, uh, um, whatever. But yeah, man, I mean, you got to think strategy. That's really like, I think what's kept me alive. Strategy and passion, you know, for sure. Yeah. Let's talk about your personal projects, because that sure. is something that that we we on the podcast have often said to people is at least create a, a passion project a personal mm. project for yourself to give you a focus and and to ki- like to keep the the momentum there like so like you say a lot of projects and you know some some people do very small ones we'll talk about yours um but it keeps that kind of enthusiasm it's something you love and you know and i know you love cars I, I remember you doing the Robocop stuff <laughs> and the Jigs of Hazard. Oh, yeah. And so t- tell us a little bit about, you know, some people do a personal project and it could be crochet during lockdown. Sure. But you decided to do TV and film cars, which I absolutely love because I'm a big TV and film buff. So how did, what was the seed of that for you? I mean, my first love was Knight Rider and then uh, Back to the Future I saw in the theaters as a kid. And uh, so I love movie cars and uh i love cars in general um and that was like a thing i wanted to do was like shoot those cars and that was like again kind of like before social media was like uh, myspace was like a thing and that was about it you know and yeah it wasn't like and we had like blog spots 
so my blog was doing all yeah. right and i kind of like wanted to share like little behind the scenes and i was traveling so much on shoots for editorial i figured like when i'm in random parts of missouri you know i connected with i started connecting with the car clubs uh like there's all these like forums or it'd be car movie car clubs um and now we have facebook groups and stuff which is much easier to connect with those folks um but i would just reach out to people and see either i'd want a car specifically and i'd want to source the history of it and i found like sort of the market pros like the pros in that space the experts and i would just call one of four people nate truman is for example like one of the uh, uh now personal friend and um preeminent experts and biggest car club runs one of the biggest movie car clubs and i would just call him and one of few people and they would just connect me and so i would shoot portraits i'd stay an extra day and shoot portraits in these vehicles in random towns behind the scenes and then share a bunch you know on my my um on my blog and i think that's literally what got me on kelby was i was just like at i have like a at the time a pretty I would think well, I was told a decent portrait style, you know, kind of um, unique, I guess, sort of Dave Hillish, people have said, um, but I'm yeah. no Dave Hill, uh, but, you know, certainly inspired yeah, by... Yeah, but he's no Douglas ah, Saunders, so, no. <laughs> you know. <laughs> no, but, um, you know, inspired by, like, people like that, and so I would share everything, even if it didn't pay me money, but I thought it would be great to share, and I think those things kind of, like, got me on the map um, doing that kind of stuff, and it was so fun to do. And, you know, I, the people know, like, my Robocop stuff, my uh, Robots in the Desert, which got me the cover of Shutterbug magazine. Um, and I shot a prototype Mars spacesuit for NASA. And that was literally a cold email because I just wanted to do it um, and paid in my own pocket. I didn't have a lot of money, but I paid, you know, my own pocket to go down to Florida and shoot them at Cape Canaveral. And that ended up, like, making me tens of thousands of dollars in licensing and got me working with NASA. NASA's, uh, you know, I've done random projects with them over the years. Uh, and again, all personal projects. I can I can directly link a personal project that I, you all felt it before. Have you guys felt it where you feel in your gut like you have to go do something? Like, you're mm -hmm. just like, oh, I got to do this. And every time I felt that 100%, I wake up like pumped and feel that in my gut. It's always panned out. Always. Even if I had to put it on my credit cards, never anything super crazy, but like a flight, yeah, yeah. you know, and an assistant and rent a couple pieces of equipment just to do something. It's always, always, always panned out. Uh, and I'll tell you a little side story. I bought this 1990 Bronco and uh, it was only like four grand to buy it. it. Ended up being like a nightmare. It was this lifted black Bronco with police bumpers and it was amazing ended up having to like put $10,000 into it because the engine blew right away and all this because I bought it out of like pure instinct. But that ended up like aligning me with, uh, I sold that to the vice president at Geo, my friend. And now that's become like a great discussion point and led to projects uh, over at Geo because of like her love for that Bronco that I redid and then sold to her over lunch randomly. Um, and you know, it's just like random things where I go, this is a wacky, stupid decision, but I really, really, really want to do it. It's always, always panned out. Um, and even like my dog series, you know, the little pit bull series. I was going to say that, yeah, that stuff where the connection, sorry, because no, we please, are going to talk please. about the dogs now is on. So last weekend I did an online workshop called the currency of community, mm -hmm. but it was basically, me telling those kinds of stories there look i in the past 10 years 
uh, I've had so many incredible things happen for me and things I've made happen myself. But I love the fact that you can trace your steps back to the defining moment where, you know, like the first time I went to Photoshop World and paid for myself, I met Alan. You know, 10 years on, I'm doing a podcast with him and all these other things. I, I was saying to people, when, when you have a moment of success through like your hard work and your drive just take a few steps back and like follow the breadcrumbs where that came from what you made a decision to do something that opened the door and you got to remember that because you have to do those steps to get to those things and they can be as random as buying a car buying a plane ticket going someone meeting someone because you never know who you know some guy might own a fancy tv car but he also might be the ceo of a company you want to work for yeah and you've got to put yourself in front of those people and have those conversations and tell them your story and who you are and like as you started to say another personal project you did you know the car one was 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 amazing i dread to think how much work went into that because i know you've got to pull people together and, and stuff but then you did the um not a bully project yes. with emma yeah which was my favorite lovely so can you talk about that which is alan <laughs> alan's waiting for this I, oh I, that's, I that's great i don't have children but we've got we've got two rescued boxers now and they're great when you did that my my original one odessa she passed away and oh. so yeah we were the oh yeah love that that's that's my boxer i don't know if you can see it i have a tattoo of my yeah. old boxer winston so you i've always appreciated oh, I remember you, boxer updates yeah i remember when you post that and, and it's always been you know um and, and as you said and, and we'll get into the not a bully project because when that thing popped up originally i was like a huge, i'm still a huge fan of it and we've been pushing it but um my photos of my boxers have led to books have led to projects have led to I actually have um, got other people who are now doing stuff with rescue organizations who I help teach them how to take photographs who have gone full-time into taking photographs of dogs for rescues. That's become their actual job. Amazing. Um, and it just, like, once that passion hits, once their eyes open and they can see what can be done with the pictures and you can actually do something, they, you know, their entire lives have changed um, just by randomly that's, taking pictures of their dogs. Wow, that's amazing. That's really incredible. And to be able to impact so many dogs like that, that's yeah, great. Yeah. I mean, the statistics show that having actually photos of dogs in, in shelters actually literally like exponentially increase their ability to be adopted and not put to sleep. So that's right. that's really powerful. Um, yeah, I mean, for me, I she's sleeping next to me right now, but I have a, she's now an old lady, but I rescued this, uh, I went. My boxer died over a little decade ago. Winston Churchill, who's tattooed on my arm, and uh, oh. he used to go on set all the time. And so all the shoots I would do, everybody knew knew him. And uh, it was a real heartbreak when he passed, as you know, we all can relate to. Um, so I went to go to an adoption event and was going to adopt another boxer, boxer mix. And there was this tough Black Panther looking. Uh, little lady, little little pup, little pup being seventy five pounds with yellow eyes and dark fur and uh, very stoic and and polite. And uh, she had been in foster care for two years. Nobody wanted her. She was a street dog, and they tried to put her asleep a bunch of times because she's a black pit bull. But was awesome. Like eh, need a little bit of refinement regarding, you know, don't jump on the couch and you know other little silly things. But she's been like a perfect gem. And so she and I would jog together around when I lived in D.C. Uh, around our neighborhood uh, in Washington, D.C., and 
people literally would I'm not an imposing looking guy I don't think and I understand she's a big big dog and um people would run away screaming would cross the streets um like the worst saddest things and I would actually it strangely made me like triggered emotions and it made me sad almost want to cry because I thought about how my sweet you know kid here they wanted to put her to sleep so many times because how she looked and and her breed and all these like miscon- misconceptions so um I started kind of like talking to some friends that I knew were into dog rescue about about it because I I didn't know much about pit bulls other than this is my dog and I've heard some things and I heard such the, about the plight of the dog and the breed and made me sad about what was happening and that they're being Tens of thousands in America alone are being put to get put sleep a month because of their breed. Wow. Um, and so literally tens of thousands. And so I thought like, well, use the little power I can in my own little way. I do a portrait series about, you know, rescue pit bulls that serve their community in a positive way, you know, that have like done good things and share their little kind of like um, I think it was. I don't want to say I was like the humans in New York for humans in New York. I, cause I don't, I don't remember what inspired me, but that, which is, I, I would never claim to be as awesome as humans in New York, what they've done, but essentially like a humans in New York, but dogs and trying to say about pit bulls, like their story and their image. Um, and it got the attention. I essentially started just like sharing it, sharing it, sharing it. And it got the attention of national geographic and, uh, um, and they actually, and I had my production company. And so they actually had helped, asked me to help produce a TV special with the Dog Whisperer because they're doing a Pitbull special about breed-specific legisl- legislation, and they want to include Not a Bully and Emma and and put us on there and have us doing a photo shoot. And I still get messages like five, ten years later from people from because they still run the special. And we ended up helping a lot of people. We created the hashtag Not a Bully uh, in regards to Pitbulls, and it went semi-viral and we were able to actually fundraise, save a few dogs that needed special like rescuing and transport. And I'm proud to say that literally because of Emma, actually because of my sweet pit bull, I now work for national geographic that literally she created that opened that door. And because of that, I did my first VR campaign. And because of that, uh, I have an award-winning augmented reality software company, literally because of that dog, literally because of that photo series, hundred percent. So, if you really think about that line, it's insane. Literally, this. I love that story. It's insane. And so, and it just proves that everyone should go out and adopt a dog. Hell yeah! You know, Abs- absolutely, yeah. Um, she literally changed my life, and literally that photo, that personal photo series, hundred percent changed my life. And all it took was a few weekends of work and casting some dogs and taking some portraits and being passionate about something. I just, that's right. it. No, it was it's, uh, just think about how that pivoted my entire life and my career is just wild and all from personal project of what so not a bully.org is that still an active somebody else took it over i run the facebook page yeah. but i'm so busy somebody else took it over and it's passed the baton and it's still great and still people are still hashtagging not a bully and sharing and and i think it's become more popular to especially since president obama was anti-breed specific legislation and all that so I think the in the last decade, you know, the dialogue has changed on the breed, at least in the U.S. Um, but I'm happy that it, to be even just a fraction of a small part of helping save a few dogs um, and help sort of change the stigma um, around the breed, even if it was just a little bit. It, if I could save a couple of Emmas, 
you know, it's worth it. Exactly, yeah. And that's the, that's the beauty of the power of social media, that when you can do something like that, that it comes from the heart, people automatically see it's coming from a good place and it resonates so quickly. And because, you know, dog lovers are a special kind of person anyway, yeah. that it just, it just amplifies that message for other people to not be told what to think about them but actually think for themselves and then see evidence of actually yeah i, I only know this about this breed because that's what people tell me yeah. but they, they don't get to see them they don't get to be around them or see people so no take my hat off to you mate that, that was such a fantastic thing to do thank you um does emma still does emma still come on shoots does emma come on shoots with you like winston does or is, is she kind of is she in a resting years now? Uh, from time to time, she's more of a resting years now, and a lot of our shoots have sound, and she doesn't bark or anything. But like, you know, a lot of my shoots are like fifty people running around, and I gotta like as much as I would love to have my dog there, you know. But she's come on cl- various client meetings. LA is very dog friendly, so she'll come to like agency meetings and stuff because they're dog friendly and they want to meet her. Um, but no. She just is sleeping in her big Casper dog bed right now, enjoying, enjoying uh, full-on naps and me working from home. But, um, but yeah, uh, yeah. Thanks to her, she, she's in, yeah, she's integral. So what? So eight eight one one two studios. Mm-hmm. Then is that is that what you started when you kind of went out to start to work for yourself? That where all this kind of business has come from and also the finance of these projects yeah that's my production company that i started with my best friends from junior high nick and uh yeah it's still growing and and you know from there has you know expanded existence uh expanded essentially from 8112 um and uh a couple of other big projects that we've uh companies that we've sort of pivoted off came from like uh contracts 8112 contracts so that's my main company now um these days uh and yeah it's our baby um you know i'm thankful to it it was our first address 8112 boss street so um Ah, okay so where does the where does the photography work come from now so like you said you don't go out and do it all Hmm. the time but i obviously follow you on social media i get to see some of the celebrity stuff you do in the day-to-day you've got editorial shoots is that just something you like to keep your hand in because you're requested because you've got a style because you know, i was reading the story about you and mike tyson and it wasn't just a photo shoot it was a motown dance yeah yeah you know this yeah. there it's more than just you rocking up with the camera so where th- those parts of your work your photography work i mean how does that fit into everything that you do because you're a, you you are a busy businessman now <laughs> Um, well, I think only time I shoot now is pre-existing production clients that know I have that capability. And so kind of like ask me to take care of it. Um, so the Mike Tyson shoot was literally a pre-existing video client that's known us for many, many years. And trust me, I was for at a time really good at, uh, engaging subjects and being able to shoot something fast and effectively. And, uh, um, and so, you know, that was, that was they know they can just trust me to do that. I did like a really big campaign for Volkswagen last year. I ended up being a gallery series for um, gallery campaign and the Peterson Automotive Museum. Um, and uh, we did, the, you know, that Tyson shoot. And I have a potential large campaign, but it, uh, for Hearst Publishing, I can't say what it is. But for a major mm-hmm. car manufacturer, it's a lifestyle shoot. Um, and again, those are all like off the back end of like our video clients that like know... I can shoot and they just go, Hey, can you do this? 
um, and just you know they don't even see it, need to see our, my portfolio anymore. They just know and they just go, yeah, I just do that thing. And so you know, here's some money. <laughs> and it's funny, I booked bigger shoots, like from a financial and impact standpoint, um, from just casually being able to do photo on the back end of our video clients than I ever did as a photographer alone. It's very strange. Um, I was going to say that's that's something today that when you think back to like you started you're in the dark mm -hmm. room you get your first digital camera so you, you know you are literally shooting yeah. and now all these cameras are high end 4K you yeah. know and, and the higher video cameras it's a bit like our iPhone isn't really a phone anymore it's a computer yeah. that just happens to make calls and now our cameras are these high end video and it's interesting that a lot of your photography comes off the back of the video that you do. So what would you sort of say to people about embracing video as part of what they do or at least trying to add it to what they do? Because you, you got into that early and, and that's what I think is good about you is you identify these opportunities quite early on. Yeah, I mean, everybody is different. That's a really good question. Um, I mean, but I think diversification, I think many of us can embrace that being a photographer alone is a really hard place to be in. We all know many of our shooter friends, unless they're a very specific niche, like very specialized and have like a pre-existing client that take, you know, that hires them ongoing. Oh man, they're really struggling. And I feel for my friends, I've been able to throw some gigs their way and help out where I can. But I, I'm looking at your faces in this video chat. Uh, and I know, you know how hard it is. Um, and it makes me emotional when I think about my friends that are, really talented we're making an okay living uh it's hard it's hard to make a living just as a photographer these days and i think maintaining your vision as you know let me step back i would say that you are a brand so i've always sort of discouraged people from going like as a photographer you, you shouldn't be like photo visions 20 20 500 year 2500 whatever i think you should be like alan hess you know uh you're a creative not a photographer and i think uh if you can put that stamp on like your creative vision maybe whatever films you're into maybe you're a 3d artist um uh chris lambeth is a you may not know that name but uh he's an amazing 3d artist and he transitioned from being like a product photographer and he loved 3d work and he's conveyed his still image work to like being a pretty cool progressive 3D artist that's booking work in that space. I think there's a lot of ways to expand as a creative um, in this world. It's pretty exciting. So many ways you can be creative. And if I may go back, a philosophical change I think I had, if, if you don't mind me sharing a little, I think. Yeah, it's, go, go for it. I think it's possibly relevant. So, uh, when you met me, I would say 2013, I think was around a time I kind of went through a, a big change personally. Um, I think for many years I struggled where I felt, I, think be, I don't want to blame other factors, but I think you understand if you come from a difficult background and hard, hard home life that you sort of fight that ghost for many years. And I felt like I had to, my ego would walk into a room before I did. And I know that's how I was at that time. Um, and I, and I got off on being the cool guy on set and being like the king of set, being a photographer, you're the rock star on set. 
you know, because like you're the guy holding the camera, you know, you're um, having a great time. People are listening to you. People answer to you. It's intoxicating. You're dealing with the celebrities or whatever. And uh, and I think when I realized that my myself as Douglas Saunders, a photographer, was sort of dying off, you know, my best friend Nick had to have a talk with me saying like, you can't. I was trying to market Douglas Arnold's photography and 81 Toll Studios because I couldn't let Douglas Arnold's photography go. And I didn't need to do that. You know, it was irrelevant. It was taken away from energies. And my production company, which I mentioned, booked me bigger jobs than I ever did as a photographer alone. So I think as I hit my mid-30s, I went through a change where I realized I didn't have to be uh, proved to the world that I was worthwhile and that I had to be the most important person in the room or try to feel like I had to be that person. And I know it's very personal, but I, I went through and still continue to go through a big change. And I think when I gave up the concept of being identifying, cause many of us identify as being a photographer, like, Oh, I'm, you know, Clay Cook, amazing, fucking amazing photographer. And I, I don't know how he identifies himself, but I'm sure he doesn't go around going, I'm Clay Cook, the photographer. He's like an amazing creative. <laughs> Von Wong, you know, Benjamin Von Wong, yeah. sweetheart of a guy, amazing person. He's used his creative platform to, to tell all sorts of stories, and he's not just a photographer. We know him as a photographer, but he's become a creative. Jeremy Coward, amazing photographer, but you know what? He's a multi multimedia creative. And, you know, you look at guys like that and an amazing female artist out there too um, – uh, you know, that are working in multimedia and we're such a progressive time. I think you need to, I don't think you should be afraid to sort of transition to augment skills to, you know, to do different things. And I think I love, I love being just a creative being a, just anything I can make, you know, that creates a visual story. Awesome. Visual storyteller, whatever you want to call yourself. I'm a shitty director. I'm not even a good video director. I don't. I, I ended up not being good at that. I just don't. I'm okay, but I'm a better producer, and and uh, and and you know I love 3D art and and working in the immersive space. I love. I found what works for me, but I think for a lot of people, you know, you gotta. I mean, look at what you guys have done. I mean, you guys have evolved a lot yourselves, and. I think you have to, as a creative, it is time where you have to evolve. You can't be just a photographer anymore. I can't define what that is for you, but I think we have to think abstractly because look at Instagram as the number, Facebook was the number one social platform. Then it was Instagram. Now it's TikTok. Things change, you know, and uh, you got to be your best. Oh God, uh, I'm going to say this. You got to be your best TikTok now. You know, um, yeah. So anyway, sorry for that whole thing, but I I think letting go of no no trying to identify yourself under some like brand or identity or whatever, and accept change and accept evolution and let go of your ego. I think made life a lot easier. Yeah. Well, you met, we mentioned off air before we started, and I wanted you to talk about it a little bit, but I want this to be about you, not not him. Mm -hmm. But we met, you know, Jeremy Cower, mm -hmm. and he's one of those people that diversified massively yes. and embraced what he's best at and throws himself into it. And, you know, every time you see Jeremy, he looks content. But at the same time, he, he's got that look about him that his brain is still just oh. constantly going. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you can just see it behind his eyes. Yeah. It's just, he's a... He's a I don't know what word to use for Jer for Jeremy because he was so 
when I first met him at the first the first photo shop when I saw him, I knew who he was. I felt a little bit intimidated by him to go and talk to him. <laughs> and then I, I was actually standing next to him in a room and I said, I just turned around and said to him, I don't mean to be rude, but I'm just going to go and stand over there because I just feel stood next to you. I feel a damn sight uglier than I was <laughs> if I was over there. <laughs> and and he started laughing and we had a little conversation and he was just such a sweetheart. Yeah. You know, and not that, not that he, he wouldn't be, but... It's those kinds of people that when you look, when you dip in and see what they're up to, it's like something different every time. And I don't like calling myself a graphic designer. I prefer to call myself a creative because I've embraced different parts of my world and what I do. Uh, I, I try to look and help others. If I don't think I can do it, I'll try and identify opportunities. Like you said, you can push work to other people who you think might be better for the job rather than you do it badly. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and and I think that, and that diversification, you know, that brings around to to like health, yeah, you know, well being and and that kind of thing. And I know you wanted to talk about that as well because obviously we're now in a <sighs> pandemic. The, everyone's world has changed. Yeah, um, you know, feel free to talk about what you've been doing lately and how that's affected you. <sighs> um, yeah, I I'm trying to think the best way. I think in that sort of and thank you for that. Um, I think in that whole change, I ended up in the hospital and in my mid thirties, I was in a, I don't, I don't mind saying I was in just like an awful relationship. I work was insane. I was traveling. Uh, I shot 200 ads in one year, um, on the videos in the video, uh, video ads. So I was literally producing multiple directors at once and I was traveling all over the country and not like really like sexy, like trips like to LA to New York. I was literally going to like farms in Kansas and then like pipelines in Alaska and, you know, pipelines in North Dakota and then like farms in Texas and back like four cities a week. It was nuts. And then just this awful relationship where, uh, she, I was just not happy at home. I was not happy on the road. And, and uh, we'll just put it that you know, these things happen in life, and we, a lot of us, have been through those things. Um, and I just ended up, I had heart pains, and I was so stressed. I realized I had not was not sleeping. I was having too much coffee. I was anxious beyond belief. And so I resolved to make a change, and I think that started things, uh, you know, uh, and started changing my diet, um, started exercising, started kind of focusing on like, what was the catalyst of mental health? Uh, you know, why I felt the way I did, why I'd wake up feeling anxious, what caused that? I didn't want to just accept like, Oh, it's just a shitty anxious day today. I'm going to feel pretty bad. You know, and like what causes that? What causes understanding the psychology of habits, understand psychology of like where our minds go, how you can feel positive. And I started, I feel like I should put a book list together, but I started reading a lot and, um, started reading the sign and I understand like diet affects a lot of like our, our, how we feel, of course, rest, of course, like how we process information, how we process, like how our, how our partner says something to you uh, or, you know, whatever, you know, how you filter your day. And, um, I know it sounds like a lot. So I went through like a major change, um, in diet and fitness, uh, and then how I treated others, uh, I think became important in finding purpose. I think when you do things in your career, have you guys ever had a moment in your career where you're like, I can't believe I got to do that. You, you know, if you felt, Oh yeah. Of yeah. Course. yeah. But I then like what, but like what, what happened, uh, after that, 
you know like what what it's not it's like the end of a, your favorite movie what happens after the credit rolls like what are they forever happily ever after no you go back to your normal shit like you go back to your normal life like whatever <laughs> life isn't like oh wow everything's done now good um you know so you know you think about purpose and what brings you joy and um a few years ago lost a friend to suicide a good friend um and unfortunately, many of us have been touched by one way or another, that sort of thing. Um, and just as the way is, you don't, you feel helpless. So I was the last person to talk to him. Uh, and we didn't know earlier that day that, you know, I would never have talked to him again. And it made yeah. me think about how many creatives have gone the same route, you know, struggle internally. I'm sure there's people listening right now that, struggle and people in their lives don't really realize that they're struggling. So I wanted to create a platform, um, that, uh, people could be, have a safe place to talk. I'm not a psychologist at all, but I think of having a forum in which people could share their experiences and ask advice and just vent. Um, so we started, uh, just an invite only support group. If you're struggling, um, it's called keeping it together. You can message me directly. Um, you have to apply to invite just because we don't want to like add some random person just because, um, we want people to understand yeah, that yeah. this is a safe place that it's, we're not sharing openly what happens there that we want people to feel safe to express themselves. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think it's carried on to like other, uh, aspects of my life where I think having purpose. I'm not a religious man. I'm I don't, a lot of things that, you know, people find their own purpose in, whether in faith and, and other things. And that's wonderful for me. Uh, I think in a way, when you understand that your life has a greater purpose where you can kind of serve others and make some sort of impact other than just like getting yelled at by Justin Bieber and taking some cool <laughs> pictures, it doesn't mean shit in the, you know, in the scheme of, of life, but just a moment in time. But, you know, knowing you can like, leave a lasting impact and be there for others makes me wake up. I, I want to get emotional now, but you wake up and you're like thankful, you know, that you have a community that you can, I've leaned on them. You know, I've, I've had a bad day and I don't mind. I openly will share with the group and, and we've had people struggle with alcoholism or an abusive spouse. And thankfully there's other, somebody else in the group that's able to go like, I've been through that. Here's what I did. Yeah. I can relate. Um, and it's been really powerful to have that. And I think mental health is so incredibly important. Um, uh, Richard Branson recommended a book called The Happiness Advantage. It's a quick, easy read. Again, I feel like I should put together a book list together, but it was like you can do better business if you're in a positive mindset. I know happiness is like a fleeting thought. It's You can't have perpetual happiness, but certainly – you can filter to a more positive perspective and that'll allow you to achieve more, you know, yeah. it's going like I can accomplish this rather than going like, uh, everything's against me. Obviously we all know that you can attack a day a different way with those, you know, change of shift of perspective. Yeah. Cause you can set yourself up to fail without realizing it because you say, oh, I'm going to do these 10 things. Don't do 10, do one thing. Yeah achieve one thing and don't feel like that it's that loneliness as well people when you tend to speak to a lot of people who talk about this there's always that thing of they feel alone where actually you know there's a thousand people alone that actually together 
are the most powerful thing. Yeah. But you yeah. get into that trap where you are alone, you need a place to talk well, to someone. And, and even just, you know, me and Alan will just chat every week and, and talk about politics or just stuff that's going on because it's, you know, we're all stuck at home. We can't go out. We're not getting the social interaction. And I'm sure the people who were already maybe having a bit of a struggle are now yeah. finding an even more of a struggle. I mean, Alan lost all of his work at yeah. the, the uh, Pechenga uh, Stadium. Oh, God. Well, people having yeah people having different different yeah. elements then you've got the financial side and family side you know he's now working at home his wife's working at home some people have never had that relationship before huh. so i think yeah you know so there's, yeah there's a there's a part of the whole thing where where as creatives um we're supposed to be weird or yeah. moody or starving artists or all these things that people can so you you're having a oh he's having a bad it's okay he's just you know he's just that artsy kind of guy like he you know cut off his own ear it's fine don't worry about it he'll be okay <laughs> and it's completely untrue it's, it's been what it's it's been like what we're told how we're supposed to act and then when you're feeling frustrated or like yeah i haven't had a show in months and i'm i haven't picked up a camera in, in quite a while except you know to, to to take some pictures of my dogs in the backyard mm-hmm. and it's like that's okay but it's really hard because in in society's like well no you're supposed to be working you're supposed to be doing something it's like i can't do that right now so i have to do something else and it's very difficult sometimes for people to understand that when you're driven to create something and you're not you can't do it in the way you're used to doing it there is frustration and there is anger and there's all these emotions that come up and I'm very lucky. I have a very understanding wife. <laughs> We've been together for years. And she knows some mornings I get up and, and yeah, I, I'm like, I'm just going to go yell into the abyss and, you know, use Twitter or stand in the backyard and shout at the neighbors or whatever, it, you know, whatever it happens to be to, to get over it. And I, I'm, I'm blessed, but I don't have kids in the house. I don't have to hold it together. I don't have to do all these things that I think a lot of creatives do. And I think it's really important right now that people do take care of their mental health because there's now this giant pandemic external issue that is affecting the whole world that wasn't there months ago. It just, it just wasn't. We had the regular struggles. Now we've taken a new pressure and put it on top of it. And, um, people need to realize they got to take care of themselves. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I would say like if, if anybody's listening and they're, I mean, I have tough days. I think for me, isolation is hard. I make a pretty, I'm pretty, keep pretty aggressive to my to-do list and I have people to see and people to visit, but I think like I'll force myself to isolate because I'm like, Oh, it's a pandemic. But if I don't like see a human, you know, for four days, I start going a little, I feel just low. I, you know, I yeah. need that. And mm-hmm. I, you know, and I get it. Um, if, if I may, I, I can share a few things that have kept me sane. If that helps anybody listening. Yeah. You know, during this wacky time, I mean, there were moments early on, you know, we, I lost a lot of money in jobs and I'm thankful we picked it up with post-production stuff and we've done all right. But, you know, the first like two weeks, I literally had six figures of business just like, boom, just like, ah, yeah, I don't think those are happening. Um, and, you know, that's scary because you're like, oh, I hear we may not work until October. You're like, well, <laughs> You know, I hope those savings go, you know, do all right. Um, you know, uh, you never know. I was like, am I not going to work till 2021? So 
to kind of like not, you know, there's about two days where I just woke up and I just go like, ah, oh, well, this sucks. Uh, what am I going to do with myself? And then uh, I started getting, I downloaded Microsoft's, um, what do they call it? Well, they're essentially a task, like a to-do list thing. And every part of my day, even in close talking to you guys, is like little tasks that I can check off. Um, even uh, working out, I ride my bike. Even if it's just going out for 15 minutes, you just make yourself do it. Um, so keeping daily tasks. Uh, and also, if you guys want to learn new skills, Udemy, U-D-E-M-Y.com. I'm not trying to take away from Kelby or any of the other platforms out there. No, U- no. Udemy is like, uh, uh, if you want to learn, I-, I got better at 3D modeling. And literally, they have sales. Like, if things look like they're 200 bucks, their classes, they have sales like every week. So, like, you can literally buy like a 12 hour 3D modeling course um, for like $10. And it's literally like, uh, I I learned Blender, which is a free 3D modeling program uh, via $10, excuse me, a $10 program. And now I can actually like manipulate and create 3D assets from scratch. I mean, I'm not going to claim I'm the best, but enough that I'm able to prototype certain things in our campaign and do like little 3D rendering in my like photo stuff, 100% off a $10 course and just dedicating one hour a day. So like setting daily goals, um, you know, even if you don't feel like it, just drag your ass to do this thing once a day. And believe it or not, just feeling purpose in your day goes a long, a long, long, long way. So, you know, even if it feels silly, just you know, and you have like nothing to do today, literally like go like make lunch, uh, like a task. And, uh, and that literally you feel some sort of purpose in your day. And I, I literally like, at the end of the day, it's like cathartic. You know, you look at the, the little like completed checklist and it helps. Yeah. Um, and, I, and some of my friends have given me a hard time because they're like, well, you've been the most accomplished person in quarantine that I've met. Um, but literally it's just like, I was just going to say that word accomplishment. <laughs> that That's exactly it. It's little accomplishments. Yeah. But, um, but you know, I'm not trying to win any trophies. It's just literally kept me sane. Um, even just you, some days you don't want to exercise, but like even just making myself ride my bike, even if I'm feeling just drained for 30 minutes is like, I come back and I feel better. Even just make like mm. 30 minutes. You can do that. You know, you don't even have to go hard. Um, so just like creating little purposes and just use this time to just like do your best to, even if you feel low, even just doing like 15 minutes of bettering yourself for the day is awesome. Um, so if that helps anybody, then great. If you want to learn more about how you can create new habits, a great book I recommend is called Atomic Habits. And you literally understand the psychology of why we you know, develop bad habits like smoking, cracking our knuckles, whatever. And the psychology of how you break those, you know, it's easier said than done, of course, but like how you literally can apply those or create new habits. Like, Make sure you, I don't know, brush your teeth as soon as you get up or not look at your phone or whatever. Understanding how like you want to create something new, um, like a new habit for yourself, it's great to understanding the mechanics behind it and apply it. So that's a really great book. Yeah, I'd agree with that because I know something that I've had conversations with people, it's that whole create or consume. And like you say, get up and go on your bike for 30 minutes because the alternative is just to sit and consume tiktok or sit and consume facebook or sitting you know and and all that time disappears all that time sucks away and next minute you're you're kind of saying i've i've accomplished nothing i've done nothing today i haven't got time it's like well you know this is the one thing at the moment i mean we've said nobody's got extra hours in the day 
the day's still 24 hours long we still need so much sleep we've still got you know chores and things we have to do i've got kids i've got four kids living oh at my home. god I, I don't, I don't have extra time. <laughs> I've got a t- 10 and a 12 year old daughter who have been off school since March and I now work from home permanently. My wife still has to go to work. My eldest son works at the hospital for the NHS. Oh. So, you know, it's kind of a weird, weird balance, but I try not to consume. Uh, I try to like, I don't, if I'm going to look at anything, I'll look at it maybe lunchtime. But I have to focus on my work. You know, my boss is paying me. I can't let him down. But it is really hard to fall into a bad habit. I think that's the the tough thing is breaking the bad habits and learning to create good habits. And because the buzz you get, I know when I used to do marathon training, I know when I I was doing some weight stuff, trying to lose weight. And you just get those little wins every day. And that just gives you that little, that little, um, Oh, what's the? Uh, it's an endorphin rush. I can't remember the, a, the word. It's a, it's yeah, it's like it's like that. You just get that little thrill if you just lose a little bit of weight, or you run that extra ten minutes. There's something inside of you that lifts you, and it makes you want to get home and start that other project. You kind of bout you, you you leapfrog from it, but you have to do that first one. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, mental health is like the question right now. I have so many of my creative friends that are like angry and they're you know uh and i don't blame them for feeling angry because just the world and people's choices and all that they're out of their control and you know it's easy to feel anger or frustration but uh you know there's a certain point where you just have to say uh pardon me i swear a little bit but you have to say one of my favorite one of my favorite quotes from risky business is what the fuck sometimes you just have to say what the fuck (laughs) you know and uh and you know you could be upset at whatever politician or whatever person is doing something that's affecting the community and all that. But like, that's really not going to help anything. You can be frustrated as you want, but you know, you sometimes have to leave that behind and go like, all right, well, what's within my control? You know, I may feel really low and really shitty. want to scream into the void, which obviously I felt too. Um, but like yeah. what, just like when I learned code, um, just like learning video, just learning everything um you know you could just like let somebody else master it and you fall behind or you just literally just take hours in the day and just figure the fuck out just do it that's true that's literally my motto man that's the one thing we always say at home with everything is control the controllables yeah you know, there are things that are, the power is in your hands to do something about yeah. it. And there's a lot of stuff that all you can do is feel frustrated about. And, you you know, we can do a small thing like you did with Not A Bully. Yeah. Um, people can go out and do their, their part. But if, if you control the things that you can control, you've at least got a good start to get you through the day to give you those what-the-fuck moments yeah. of, well, you know, I, I can f- be frustrated about it, but at the moment I can't let, I can't dwell on it and let that, crucify my day um because all you can do is consume it yeah absolutely yeah and and you made a good point um sir dave uh that you know even if you just consume make it like one little baby goal as opposed to like going like i'm gonna do these 10 things just focus on like one little thing and that's fine but as long as you're making a progressive step of like making the most of what you can even if you feel fucking awful inside just doing something uh, it helps, you know, even like my friends asked me about weight loss. How am I going to lose weight? I don't have the same genetics as X, Y, Z person. I can't do that. That's fine. But you know what? You can take 
a five minute walk outside, you know, you can, um, you know, there's little steps you can do to like, as long as you're making a progressive step forward to your betterment of your health, it, it literally can start with like just a five minute walk outside, you know, any, anything better in that direction than just sitting inside and just feeling stressed out about it doesn't help. So what can you do? Right. You know, and that's how it all starts. Do something. That's yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so here we are in 2020. It's, it's now middle of July. I mean, how do you, how do you see the rest of your year panning out at the moment oh. from a personal point and a work point? I mean, what is there, have you been able to plan for much? I know you mentioned some work, but how's, how's your, wow. uh, kind of your, your well-being for, for planning to get through, to get out of this shitty year? Yeah. Um, well guys, I will say, and if it brings hope to anybody, uh, obviously you get, you know, I'm not afraid to say I lost hundreds of thousands of dollars in work. You know, and that's not a profit per se, but like feeding, you know, giving my yeah, crew, know you, you know, projects to work on and keep them busy and whatever. But you know what? I'm thankful we've diversified. We've landed uh, retainer agreements with, uh, I don't want to list names, but major companies mm. that have keeping us busy with like Zoom recordings. We do Zoom interviews uh, and, or they'll or they'll have their own Zoom or pre-recorded footage and then they'll have us, you know, add animated video, edited videos. Um, we did uh, USO, is, uh, I'm happy to say, is a big client of ours, and uh, it's a military organization that helps support uh, mm. veterans um, and uh, active troops, and it's mainly for, like, morale and support, and so we did, like, their whole July 4th special, literally, like, helping them produce, like, an hour-long thing that we could live stream. Live streaming, editing, animation, we have a big shoot this weekend. Uh, I have a couple ads booked for September and October, uh, Hell or High Water. Um I, uh, I can't say too much, but just got hit up by a large TV network to potentially push uh, a very long-term TV series. Um, uh, we just got hit up by two, you know, you got to think about diversification. Augmented reality is really interesting because there's no longer going to be car shows or not for a long time. So how are you going right. to release a billion dollar product like a vehicle, literally a billion dollar product? And not have an event to debut it, so or people going to showrooms less. So literally having augmented reality or immersive tech that literally works on a mobile device um, is a big thing. We're getting hit up big time about developing car configuration platforms that people can use at home to configure and order their vehicle. Um, so we're getting hit up for a lot of stuff like that. Um, so yeah, I to be perfectly honest, I'm. I have, I'm going to have like a really wild next, it's shifted from what I thought I'd be doing earlier this year, but man, I mean, I'm thankful, like I have great editors and post-production folks that work for us. Um, and we're able to churn out content and we've shifted and pivoted and, you know, I'm sure I won't make as much as I was going to make what I thought in January 1st, cause we had a pretty good year planned out with shoots, but man, like I'm super, 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 super thankful super thankful and like busting my ass to understand like what's the next stage in um content creation that makes it easier uh and really just like really understanding where the market's going and i spent a lot my partners and i spent a lot of energy in understanding the shifts in that um understanding covid compliance and all that that's exactly mm -hmm. what i just i mean you said earlier on right at the beginning you said that you're a futurist so you're looking always looking at the next thing the newest thing what's going on so um 
how do you actually, what do you look at? How, how much time do you spend? Like, do you like wake up in the middle of the night and go, <laughs> Oh yeah, people are going to not go to stores anymore. We're going to try on clothes at home. So, you know, like, Honestly, how does, I mean, because I know what, like, some mornings I wake up and I'm like, oh, I really need to do this and I have some idea and I go and, and try to work it out. But um, I usually, you know, I, I like to read a lot of blogs and I look at sci fi sure. magazines and, and that kind of stuff. And I know a lot of it comes from movies and, you know, Star Trek has been <laughs> pretty much your entire cell phone line comes from something <laughs> out of Star Trek. And sure. So, yeah. so how does that, like, how do you, how does it come to you? How does, how do you work that into your daily life? Mm, well, I think I spent a lot of energy. Good, that's a really great question because I've never really like defined it. It's more of like instinct. But I thankfully we're lucky we keep in business because I believe in being honorable and always following through. And thankfully, because of that, I have a wonderful relationship with my creative directors at all our agencies. So all the people that are hiring us right now, our personal relationships are just people that like us. Um, and thank God, like. I love them. Thank you very much if they're listening. But during when everything went, I worried about my friends losing jobs. Uh, these creative directors, like very high up folks at big agencies. And so I started messaging them all on a personal level. And I kind of like also in time, um, they would share with me uh, like what's going on with their clients, what their concerns are. So I'd ask, you know, and I didn't ask like selfishly. And so, you know, I talk to them about what their concerns are with their jobs, what their concerns are with like clients, how they're trying to sell stuff. Like they have brands that are coming out with stuff. Apple has to sell the new iPhone. How are they going to reach, you know, how are they going to market that? Uh, Ford has come out with the new Bronco. How are they going to like get people to buy stuff when people are afraid to spend money? You know, stuff's still coming out, has to be sold. So we understood that. And then preemptively, uh, I put together with my partners, um, uh, uh, a COVID, I forget what we called it at the time, but essentially a COVID survival kit, content creation in the time of a pandemic and came up with like six ideas. It was like remote filming packages, like sending a camera to somebody and have them self film uh, and the software we would use to make it easy. Um, uh, animation. And we showed some of our rendering techniques, um, you know, like four or five things that they could easily do influencer based content. Uh, we would read articles about things that are happening. We, we read a lot. Um, and we share articles with each other and our team. Um, and so incorporating kind of like the concerns we saw coming from the agencies and my friends, um, and then kind of like creating like a response kit uh, from that. And, uh, and we started sending those out and the big agencies actually literally set up conference calls with us to go and like, yeah, so like we don't know, but like what, we have this client that's like trying to come out with a new headphone and we don't know what we're gonna do. And literally, I mean, fingers crossed, we. You know, it's going to happen. I don't know. You never know until the contract's signed. But literally just like yesterday, a big agency hit us up because of that package we sent out three months ago that want to send out like a remote filming kit to film influencers using their new headphone and then putting together a dynamic like uh, marketing slash uh, social media package to promote this new major headphone release. And again, this is all like just listening to folks, communicating, keeping personal relationships and just being mindful of like what they're facing and trying to understand what brands are going to do. You know, you have to question, like, there's not going to be events anymore. So, but events are going to have to happen. So what's the response? What are we going to do? You know, we don't have to say, like, well, we're fucked. You know, we just say, like, well, there's going to be, like, live streaming is going to be a thing. You know, if you really think about it, car shows are kind of bullshit. They really are. 
Like, in the age of the internet, I'm a car guy. I know you guys like cars too. Like, the new Ford Bronco. Did I really need to go and wait for the Detroit Auto Show to see, like, a thousand people in a room and come up on stage? I was actually perfectly fine with a live stream of, like, really sexy drone footage of a Bronco slowly, like, careening over a hill and then just getting all the specs right there. I was literally fully fulfilled. That's fine. And so, like, we live in an age where, like, having digital content streaming to us, we can create content. And it's great for us content creators as long as we position ourselves to be in that space to answer for those brands. Anyway, sorry. Wow. That was just absolutely pure. No, that sorry, I was just I sitting there. thinking, <laughs> God, that was this, awesome. no, no, yeah. this is sorry. this is just all the best. This is like the greatest hits. <laughs> so I, I, I go, I'm very but, passionate about this stuff. I, I mean, uh, no, I love. <laughs> That's why we wanted you on because I, you know, the fact that we haven't spoken in that time and I've been following your career, I knew this interview would just be so worthwhile to everyone listening because, because even though I like, I don't know you, I know you, it's it's your work, your work ethic and your personality and, uh, you know, not just your work, but you, I think that's great that that, that kind of healthy forward thinking is what's keeping you going but it doesn't mean i really hate when people go oh it's all right for you like all this was just handed to you like some big golden nugget like golden egg on a plate and you know someone walks in and takes the lid off and go douglas (laughs) another golden egg for you (laughs) um it's not all right for us all the time we have to do these things and the fact that you've done you've just answered that question with exactly what i want you to say is the world is changing massively and and it is not going to go back to normal not for a long long mm-hmm. time adobe max you know has always been a f- 10 to 15000 on site la this year it's going to be free online and they're expecting between a quarter of a million and half a million people watching it because it's free that's what a great advertising product for their software and you said about augmented reality their last big piece of software they dropped was about augmented reality yeah, yeah. Uh, the guy I spoke to last week was talking about the spatial audio stuff where um, Apple are introducing it into their products, that this technology, this world of technology now, is going to have to evolve differently to the way we're going to live. Technology will change because of the world now, whereas before we kind of made technology do what we wanted it to do. Now technology is going to do it the other way, and it's going to change to make the world a different place. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, it's it's and again, it's like everything I've done, you know, it may seem like I'm doing a lot, uh, but ultimately just it's it's I've always trusted my gut. Um, And when it came to business and creativity uh, and whenever I felt like just like you guys agreed, I know you're the same, you know, where I felt like following a project, you just did it. And I know Glenn uh glenn is like really also like big like that way and look at oh my god glenn Lewis, like look at like his his whole like veteran series it's changed his whole life exactly oh my god he's so inspiring yeah um but but you know like regarding vr and ar and and everything we've done i have interest in a can a fully medicinal marijuana like cannabis company and that's a whole different discussion um and uh you know, I've always just followed my gut. You know, if you, I would say, if I were to leave a parting philosophy for anybody listening, other than just like keeping goals and all that other junk, if you are, help people just to help people. If you follow through, no matter what you say, even if it, it you break even or whatever, 
you just follow through no matter what and you develop a reputation of being a trustworthy good person things will work out honestly you can be like oh people will step over me sure people have stepped on me and done bs but you know what totally fine you can see i land on my feet no matter what because you know what i always try and do the right thing um and follow my instincts and uh you know and if i feel like something is like cool and exciting i explore it i figure it out and i make it happen sometimes we explore things it didn't work out but i've learned a valuable lesson and it's and it's you know led to where i am today whatever how are you define wherever i am today who knows um but but uh but you know alive and okay and and you know paying my bills and and making stuff and working with my friends i'm you know thankful and to feel purpose with my day even that is like i'm super thankful for that and it's all perspective you know guys it's like i'm sorry i'm getting super philosophical here i I, it's 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 fine uh but but i mean like trust like truly like follow through and trustworthiness leads to relationships and literally relationships are the only reason we're in business right now people i can list every every i have three screens set up here i can look to my left and i see my list of projects going on right now and every one of those are people that i've directly worked with on charity projects that i've helped out on a favor in the past and not asked for anything in return literally those people have 100 percent like kept me in business like I have a major project with NIH right now that I'm debuting uh, this week. Uh, and that literally is through a friend that started a creative agency, agency and I helped him start that creative agency. Literally, like, he left his made corporate job, and I helped him start it. Uh, and he's doing an amazing job, by the way. Uh, but literally helped him from scratch, and literally a lot of his projects have kept us afloat this year, literally just because of just spending a lot of my heart and tears and, and not heart and heart. Not tears, Brian, if you're listening, <laughs> but, but like helping him get, get, get going. And uh, he's, uh, he's kicking ass. And that literally was just helping my friends. And literally just because I bought, thought that was the right thing. And literally he brought us some of our biggest projects this year during the time of COVID. So just do, do right by people. Help people. It does not matter if they thank you for it. Doesn't, doesn't, oh my God. That's, sorry guys, one last story. I'm full of stories. No, go for it. Go for it. I was a volunteer firefighter in college. And I did it. I went through full fire training and all that. I was a young guy. And I would carry fire equipment in my Jeep. And I remember it was an icy day. And I come to a stoplight. And a T-bone accident just happened. And I get out, throw my, my uh, fire coat on, and you know, um, message, message my station to let them know. Send a, send a truck and all that. And there's a, um, a car, a young driver, T-bone, another car. Thankfully, nobody died, but there was a little girl that was trapped in the one car and comforted her and her dad and until the you know the truck could come and we could cut him out. And uh, they had just come from the hospital where the mom was dying of cancer, and they're driving this like 30-year-old rust bucket Toyota that literally looked like it was like I don't even know how it was driving kind of thing. Um, and so I was so sad. I never seen such a thing. And I was like 20 years old and I went to my school and I just handed around a hat with school's permission and essentially raised like three, four grand. And then I arranged a dealership to give him a deal on a super reliable vehicle. And for that, like a nice car for that money, like he gave it like his cost from auction. Yeah. Um, and I drove down to their house and I said, I remember being excited. I told them I wanted to help them and they're like, yeah, yeah, sure, sure, sure. I kept in touch with the family, made sure the little girl's okay. And I remember laying in my dorm bed the night before I was going to drive down with the money and the check and the number of the dealership and go like, we're going to buy your car. 
and uh, you know you'll be okay. And being so excited, I, I actually like was excited for their acceptance and applause. And I go to the door, and I think the daughter answered the phone. Uh, sorry, the door. Sorry, and I had the check in my hand, and I go, uh, "Yes, uh, we raised money, and now you'll be able to buy a new car. It's you know uh, a used, reliable car. This dealership here's the dealership. They'll arrange for everything." And you'll be able to drive off the lot with a brand, you know, with a car that'll make sure you'll be safe for the next ten years. Won't need anything. Mm. And they go, thanks. Close the door in my face. I never heard anything else from them ever again. Uh, and they never said thank you. And I remember I was just, just it's so stupid. I was devastated. I was like, you know, young guy, I didn't know better. But you're like, mm. oh, I regret doing it. They didn't even say thank you. And then I thought how stupid <laughs> that was because, like, literally, the mom's dying of cancer. They lost their only car. They're not dealing with. And the truth is, the lesson learned mm. is that you're going to do stuff. And I'm so thankful I did it. And I knew I was capable. I was one of my first lessons of learning that you can just take initiative and change somebody's life. I at least I hope I did. Um, but that people aren't going to thank you, and it doesn't matter. It really. I mean, yeah. ultimately, I wouldn't have the story to tell right now. And I think many times in my life, I've done something and. It came back to me one way or another, even though nobody said thank you or patted me on the back or told me I was the coolest guy in the world because it doesn't mean shit. Um, and I think like that philosophy carried over to how I run business and literally why I'm, again, I'll reiterate why I'm working now and I'm doing okay. Yeah, yeah I 100% agree with that. I'm, in fact, I'm going to end on that because I have to say every answer you've given tonight <laughs> on this interview mate has just, just been absolute absolute gold oh, it, you know and, and from the heart as well you know i know i'd like to think i i know who you are well enough to to be able to sit and go i i all these words coming out of you are totally expected <laughs> because that's the kind that's the kind of person you that's are nice you say. and and it's a and this is what the great thing about the podcast like when glenn and i started was you know, we've, we we met 10 years ago. We met because of Scott Kelby. We we met by pure accident. Uh, 10 years ago, I wasn't doing anything. I used to hang around with Glyn. When I, used to, when I was at Photoshop, well, when I met you, I was just like Glyn's mates hanging along. I was the Kelby evangelist. I was doing all stuff for them. But people knew Glyn because he was the, you know, he was the photographer. I was the guy kicking along. In that in that ten years, that I was forty four back then. I'm fifty four. You look now. like a baby. What's my- your secret? We need to do a podcast <laughs> of, of how you keep young. Oh my god! I've I've got a young boy in a set of jump leads. It keeps me. <laughs> oh my god! I literally thought we were the same age. That's crazy. I don't know. How you did. No. So so forty four. My career started really. Yeah. I mean, I've done a bunch wow, of stuff before good then. For you. But I I put my last ten years. And Alan jokes about it. You know down to relationships and people is that's my strength and yeah i will do a hundred things and get one thing back but i don't do the hundred things to get that one thing back i do the hundred things because i love that whatever power whatever perk or ability i've got that if i can help somebody else sometimes people find it unexpected they don't know how to accept generous uh, th- that generous yeah. side because they they think that they've got to give something back and you have you have to kind of go no seriously i just want to yeah. do this for yeah. you and my 10 years i've been purely person-based you know i met alan in an elevator <laughs> i was at photoshop world he, he he took the piss out of me because of my pale skin we've become <laughs> friends 10 years on glenn and i did the podcast i've you know i've taught 
I watched Dave Cross, Matt Kleskowski, Corey Barker. I learned Photoshop from those guys. That Four years ago this week, I stood next to them as an instructor and I taught a Photoshop world. I did classes for Kelby One. I'm doing Adobe Max this year. I've written a book. I, I was the first author to write for Scott Kelby that, for his series that wasn't him. Ten years ago, I wouldn't have even put a pound, a dollar on any of those things happening. And I'm grateful for the opportunities I get. And they are all people-based opportunities. I believe yeah, that about I'm, you. Go, sorry, I'm going to add, I'm gonna yeah. add one more thing to that because it's not just about people-based. It's it's the difference between and, – and Dave, we had this discussion in the car driving back from L.A. last year from Max. It's the difference between doing something out of integrity and doing something out of what's in it for me. And, yeah. And – I learned that a long time ago that there's a lot of stuff you do and, and, you know, and I used to do a lot of stuff and, okay, what's in it for me? And I realized that that was a really bad way to go through life because if if you're doing that, everyone else is doing it to you and it just becomes this very horrible kind of feeling. And so working out of somewhere, everything Dave does is, you know, out of, he's going to say, says what he's going to do and he does it. And that's what I'm getting from Douglas. Everything you say you're going to do, it's a place of integrity. It it comes from, you know, this is, I'm doing it because of this, not because of what I might get back in return from it. Whatever I get back in return is, it will come at some point. That's the thing. Good, good things happen yeah. if you put in the right effort, the right kind of effort, and towards people and and time and opportunities, things will happen for you, and things won't happen for you, and it's fine if they don't. It's just not the timing's not right. Yeah. You know these opportunities when they come, you've got to tune into them and know. I wouldn't take on Adobe Max if I didn't think I can go, do a good job. It's a little bit scary. Um, and when Scott asked me to write the book, I, I could think of 10 people better than me that I've learned from for InDesign. But because of my relationships and what I've put in, I was given the opportunity and I said yes. And I learned a, a huge, huge skill. I didn't want to let anyone down. I still It still feels weird that I'm an author. I can't <laughs> get used to it. I'm like a seasoned pro like Alan there. But it's, you know, I got to show my kid. My kids got to do a show and tell at school and take a book in there. Dad wrote that their photographs are in. And Glyn's done some shoots with the girls and they've been in magazines. It's just these lovely little things that I, I think of it as another chapter in my autobiography. When I can sit and share those stories like I did last Saturday to 50-odd people online in America, I told my story of 10 years. And I, I name-checked all the people that were influential along the way that gave me the job I've got today that I'm able to work from wow. home. The, you know, the fact I can live in a house and feed my kids and, you know, go on holiday next week. We're not rich. We haven't got a ton of savings. None of us do, my friend. Is... Welcome to the pandemic. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> savings. Uh, but, yeah. But the, the, wealth, the wealth of happiness, the wealth of good feeling and well-being um, – I think it's just really important and, and Douglas tonight th- thank you so much for your time today you know I know you're busy and it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on and I can't wait to see you in person at some point because I will be back out to LA uh, hopefully next year for Adobe Max if not before so um, if you do have time I would love to catch up with you properly and just buy your beer whatever you're, whatever you're drinking these days and, keto uh, ice cream milkshake in person again <laughs> oh you've got me then <laughs> but yeah no whatever whiskey sure you got it all right okay so um so good luck with everything that's coming up ahead all the things you Thank spoke you. about and uh seriously great guest and i think a lot of people are going to get a lot from this episode so thank you very Thank you much for the opportunity really value it thank you
Thanks. Cool. We'll see you soon.